John chapter 6. Amen. It's always a blessing to take up those offerings for other countries. God will bless us for giving. Amen. Uh, Dwayne did a great lead-in on the, on the offering uh, about the message. If you look up at the screen, that's the title to the message this morning. I want us to learn how to live to give. Amen. Give to live or live to give. I want us to learn how to give our lives to the Lord. You know, a lot of times as believers, we kind of expect somebody else to do the work. We expect somebody else to go to the mission field. Someone else will do it. Someone else will preach it. But Romans tells us, how will people believe if they do not hear? How will they hear if they're not preached to? How will they preach if they're not sent? So we have to be senders, amen? And I understand not everybody's going to go to the mission field. But we need to become people who, have, who learn how to live to give. Now listen, if you're here this morning, you say, man, they've already taken up two offerings. Is he going to preach on money? Amen, that's what everybody, I know a lot of people think that. Uh, this is way beyond money. This is, be, this is way more than money. This is giving your life. The, the, we have the most greatest example ever given in history when Jesus came to this earth, and the Bible says God so gave his only begotten son, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How many know God's a giver? We would not have salvation this morning if God was not a giver. And so it's not about just money. It's about giving of ourselves. And when we give ourselves to the Lord, he gets everything. And, and we, we live that kind of a life where God, we say, God, if there's something you want, he, he, you can have it. And you know what God wants this morning more than anything? He wants our willingness. And he wants our heart. Amen. I want to read in John chapter 6, verse 1. And I want to think, just kind of go off this thought of living to give. Um, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and teaches us. And I want to give you five principles in just a second. I think this is going to help us grow. Uh, I think it's going to help us learn how to be givers. I want to give you an example um, in, in life that we are, not, we are not born givers. We have to learn to give. If, if there was a table sitting up here this morning, and, we, and all those kids were running around, and I'm not talking about specifically your kid, amen, so don't take it personal. But if there was a bunch of kids walking around, and I left $20 on, a ta- on this table right here in the front of the church, um, and we just kind of let it sit there, before we got done with service, that $20 would be gone. It would be gone. Now, it might not be gone because we've taught our kids here to not steal. I should have maybe changed that to not our kids here because we're teaching our kids, but let's just say kids in general. Because a kid learns not to steal. You don't have to teach a kid to take something. If I were to take you back to this nursery right now, you would see the spirit of sin. Amen? You would see kids saying, mine. And you'd see kids saying, no. And it's just in our, in our, in our sinful nature, being born into this world, to be selfish. To want things for ourselves. We have to learn to be givers, okay? You might be here this morning, and you might be a giver. You, have, you, you learned how to be a giver. You know how you learned? Maybe you saw your parents be givers. Maybe you saw someone around you be a giver. But it's not something that we just have. And because our flesh is so strong, we have to learn to live our lives in a spirit of giving. Amen? John chapter 6, verse 1. Give me an amen if you're there. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up the mountain and sat with his disciples. Now the Passover 
a feast of the Jews was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now I want you to stop here for a second. And in another gospel, this is the only story, one of only two stories that Jesus tells of a miracle, or they tell of Jesus' miracle that's mentioned in all four gospels. It's a very important miracle. But another chapter, or another gospel, sorry, mentions that Jesus had compassion on these people. How many know that before we ever have the attitude of living to give, God's got to touch our hearts? We have to be, the Bible says, born again. We have to get out of our sin nature and, and become a new creation and, and begin to follow Christ and, so, and have that compassion where I see a need and I'm willing to give of myself, of my time, of my things, of my money, of whatever it is for the need of somebody else. How would this world be different if we would look to others and see how we can meet needs instead of always wanting to meet our own? Can I get a better amen? amen? And so Jesus is moved, the Bible says in another gospel, with compassion. But then he says to, Pete, to, to Philip, sorry, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now I want to teach you something this morning, very important. There are thoughts that people have about Jesus and about the gospels and about the disciples and about ministry and about things like that. And today we have an extreme on both sides of everything. God wants us to be down the middle, called balance. There are extremes where people uh, have ministries, televangelists. One came out this week and said, I need a new jet to be able to fly around the world. I need $54 million. And it wasn't his first jet. It would be his fourth jet. And, and listen, you, if you're okay with that, that's fine. You'd be okay with that. But that's the extreme. That's the extreme of, of where people say, oh, this this, that prosperity teaching, and that's that, and, and then that's all they teach, and so we people get that kind of an idea of what the, of, of what church is about. Then there's other people who think Jesus was per, poor, who that Jesus didn't have any. Oh, Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head. There's a lot of things that people take out of context in the Bible. I want you to see something here in this verse. Jesus had a flow in his ministry of finances. I want to ask you a question here. How many of you here? have so much money that you have a personal treasurer? Anybody? I didn't think so. I know I don't. If I lose $20, I know where it went. Amen? Anybody else know where, you, where 20 bucks went if you lost it? I'd love to have that problem that I could lose 100 and not know it was gone. But Jesus had, in his ministry, had so much flow of money and, and finances that they could do anything they needed because he was, first of all, he was God. But people try to picture him as somebody poor. He came to become poor for people. But we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he had a treasurer who counted their money, their ministry money. And what, watch what he says here in verse 5. He says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now I'm going to show you in just a moment that there's 5,000 men here. 5,000 men not including women and children, could have easily been ten to 15,000 people, and Jesus is asking them, where can we buy bread to feed them? That, that you, could, you could easily believe and understand they had the finances to do that. But God is a God who does more with less. I've been talking about that a lot lately because a lot of times, listen, this is important, it's a very small percentage of this world that's wealthy, that has 
an abundance of things and they don't have to worry about money. I don't, I don't think anybody in here is in that place. I, it, it would be a fun feeling, I would imagine, to have so much of everything that you'd never have to worry uh, how you're going to pay your next bill or what something costs or whatever. That's a very small percentage in this world of people who are that financially blessed. Most people in the world either live paycheck to paycheck or, or they have you know, just enough or they have some, some, some extra savings or whatever, but very few people are in that level and we, we get to a place where we think, man, because I don't have a lot of stuff, I can't really do anything for God. That's why a lot of people don't do something for God. Because we see these, we hear these stories, and we hear these miracles, and we hear these great things going on, and we think, man, I can never do that. I don't have anything to offer. Even in our own talents, we feel that way. I, what can I do for God? We serve a God who shows all throughout scriptures that he does a lot with a little. A lot with a little. I personally have seen this in my own life so many times. I, I, well, we were in a very, very, very poor area in Costa Rica where our church today still is going on, praise God. In that city of Pavas, the average income was $250 a month. That's the average, meaning people made less. And, and when we went to move, and praise God, I want to make an announcement at this moment as well that we're, we've been praying for our, our, our daughter church over in Carrollton for a new building, and we got a new building, amen, in Carrollton. There's a new building, 4,500 square feet, and it's a big step of faith. It's a big step of faith for them to do this. And I want you to continue to pray. And uh, I've been telling people this week, it's been difficult for me. I feel like a dad. Um, and I feel like it's so easy for me to believe by faith for things that I'm responsible for. But it's a lot harder to believe for my, my son over there, Dylan, to believe that they can make it. It's, I've, I had to stop myself from not telling him, don't do this. Because I realized he's been watching me take steps of faith. And me and Carla met with them on, on the other night to eat. And we, were, we went in with the attitude, we're going to talk him out of this. We're not gonna. They're not gonna. We can't, this is scary. And by the time we're done, we realize, and my daughters help us realize, they're just, he's just following what you've taught him to do, which is do crazy things. Amen. And believe God for crazy finances. And so it's a big step of faith, but but they're gonna. God's gonna provide. Amen. And they've got uh, uh, getting their certificate certificate of occupancy. They're baptizing some people this morning, and uh, they're excited. Amen. We're going to go over and do some outreaches with them. We're going to help them uh, make that transition. Amen. And I believe God's going to do a great work in Carrollton. And so in Costa Rica, we saw the same thing. When we moved from one building to another, we, we, we went to three or four times more a month of rent. There's no way those people that had very little finances could do what we needed to do. And I saw miracle finances come in because God takes a little bit and multiplies it and does a lot. And that's what we're going to see in this story here. As we continue to read, it says in verse 6, he said this to Philip, asking where should we buy these things, to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus, how many know Jesus knows what he's doing? we got to trust him. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may eat a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said, There is a lad over here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Notice small fish. What, what are they? among so many. But you know what? I begin to look at this story, and, and you see the, this man, Andrew, uh, Simon Peter's brother, say something that we need to have the attitude of. There was a need, and even though it was not a very big up, uh, amount, he saw something Jesus could do a miracle with. 
How many know we need to look for those opportunities? Instead of saying, man, I don't have enough to do this, or man, how's God, how, how am I going to do this? Why don't we say, how could God do this? How many know when God comes into the equation, things change? Everything changes when God's getting, God gets involved. Jesus said, this is impossible for man, but with God, everything, all things, anything is possible. Say this with me. There's nothing impossible with God. So if God is not involved, then we're in trouble. But if God is involved, we can do anything. And this man, Andrew, says, I see a boy over there with some fish. And I believe that Jesus was happy that he saw that. And so Jesus says, go make the people sit down. And there was much grass. This is verse 10 in that place. So the men sat down. Here we go. In number five, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, now watch this, I love this part, as much as they wanted. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in here, but I'll raise mine. I love to eat. I work out on a weekly basis, not so I can stay in shape. I work out so I can eat. I like to eat. Amen. And, and I do try to be wise. I don't just go crazy, but I like food. My pastor, Pastor Jones, told me one time, he says, Blake, you uh, eat or live to eat. He says, I eat to live. He's, you know, kind of frail, and he didn't really need the food. He says, I eat to live, but you live to eat. I said, you're right, Pastor. Amen. And so I like, I like when I used to go to my grandma's and she would put some food out and she'd say, have as much as you want. How many like to hear those words right there? Have as much as you want. I, don't, I, I like to choose if I'm going to eat good that day to cut the sandwich in half or eat less. I don't want someone to put a little bit on the plate for me. Amen. I want to know that there's more. My mother-in-law is here. And when I met Carla, I went over to their house every single night for the four months that we were uh, dating and she cooked for me. And I love that every time I got done, she says, you want some more rice? I said, yes, amen. I never turned down more rice, amen. And then the other day, uh, my father-in-law cooked for us, and he made some delicious quesadillas. And uh, he, he cooked to where I had to say, no, no more. How many know that's better than, man, I sure would like some more? Jesus is a God of abundance, Jesus is a God, he's a God who wants us to have more than enough. He wants us to be uh, fulfilled. He wants, and not, not just, again, not just in money, but in him. How many want to be fulfilled in Jesus and have more than enough in relationship with him and have more than enough of his presence and never be lacking or wanting? He's a God of abundance. So it says, I'm just trying to hit this here. He says, he says there was much as they wanted. So God takes a, a, a nothing, turns it into something, and then multiplies it to something great where everybody had as much as they wanted. Keep reading with me. Verse 12. So when they were, what? Filled. He said to his disciples, now watch this. Watch how God is. Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now we see stewardship there. Amen. That's good stewardship. Nothing wasted. Gather up the fragments so nothing is lost. And then it says they gathered, verse 13, them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had 
eaten. And those men had seen the signs that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Father, just for a couple minutes this morning, I pray for you to anoint the rest of this message. Arrest the minds of your people. Speak through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, Lord, challenge us this morning to believe your word, to believe the principles of your word, and to step out in faith in our lives and live to give of our lives this morning. Satan, you are defeated, and all your strategies and plans are below our feet this morning because the blood of Jesus is against you, and you have no power and no authority. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. As we read this story, I want to give you a few principles here, five principles in just a second that I really believe will help you uh, grow and, and, and step out to see more in your lives. Now, one of the things I want to hit real quick, and I don't want you to go there for time, but I said this was in all the Gospels. In Mark chapter 6, verse 52, I'm going to read it. The Bible says that as he tells this story, um, they get in a boat and they go across to uh, another side of the sea, and the Bible says in verse 52 of Mark chapter 6, this is crazy, says that they did not understand about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They had just seen, I want you to try to take the picture of the Bible and realize what had happened. A boy, a lad, a young boy, had given five loaves of, of bread and two fish, two small fish, and they had taken that and fed Let's just put it at five, way more than five, but 5,000 people. Listen, the men in this church here, would, that would be not enough for, that would be enough for five of us men in this place. Myself included and four other men, we'd kill those five, five loaves and two fishes, okay? And we'd be hungry after. But Jesus took that and multiplied it and did a miracle to where everybody ate, everybody was full, and there was leftovers for more. And the disciples saw that and still hardened hearts did not believe. And I think that a lot of times we see miracles in our lives and we don't believe it. We don't realize it. We don't recognize it. We don't, because God does miracles a lot of ways in ways that we don't expect them. What is a miracle? A miracle is something that cannot be explained, something that cannot be done by us. I think that sometimes and I, I'm guilty of this. I'm going to say this. I believe God has, has, has shown me so many miracles in my life that I have gotten immune to it and forgotten and not even realized it was a miracle because you just get used to God coming through. How many want to live in that place? We just know God's going to come through. Amen? He is not going to fail. Does anybody know that God this morning that I'm talking about that does not, cannot, and will not fail? Come on, somebody. Give him glory. Does anybody else know that God? Has he, has he done a miracle for you? Has he set you free? Has he saved you? Has he gotten your finances in order? Has he done a miracle through you or for you or in front of you? We get immune to it. We, get, we see God move so much we get immune to it. I don't, first and foremost, that's a heart issue. I don't want to ever get immune to the miracles of God. I want to be thankful for it, and I want to celebrate it every time. That's why we tell you, like Joelle this morning, get up and testify when God does something. Tell the, tell the world about it because that gives God glory and honor. Amen? So I want you to write down a few principles this morning in this message that I think will help you. They're very important. In the principle of sowing and reaping is biblical from the beginning to the end. Everything we do, listen, everything we do sows a seed. And everything we do 
reaps a harvest. Sometimes we think it's of just the positive, but there are negative, and I'm not focusing on the negative this morning, but there are negative things we can do that reap a harvest. But we're going we're gonna to focus on the living to give. We're going to focus on the principles of sowing seed and expecting something to come out of that. Amen. So number one is we have to understand that the harvest that we want to have in our lives, now again, I'm going to hit this home, is not just money. It's health. It's peace. It's joy. It's family. It's friends. It's, it's, it's all of the above. It's everything. John, First Peter says, or sorry, Third John says, I wish that you'd prosper as your soul prospers. So God's will is to prosper us in every area of our life, but as our soul is prospering, as our heart is right with God. So we have to understand that our harvest is limited to our planting. If we don't plant, we can't expect a harvest. Too many people are moved by compassion and then don't do anything or moved by an offering request or moved by a video or moved by a missionary asking for something or moved by someone who needs clothes or whatever, and the moving stops without a seed. You say, oh, if I would have done this, or here's what we really do a lot of times. We expect somebody else to do it. We're good at that. Well, so-and-so will go do that. So-and-so will go to that mission field. So-and-so will, will give that, that amount of money. So-and-so will help that person. And we kind of tend to push that off on somebody else. I want to tell you something this morning. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use every single one of us. You're not going to start living until you start giving. Can I say that again? You're not going to start living a full, happy life till you start giving of yourself. And that's every area of your life. But you have to understand that here's the attitude people have. It says, here's what we say, if God multiplies what I have, then I will give. If God will give me more, I will give more. That's what people do. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to give, and I want you to multiply it. Did y'all catch that principle? Because I, I think about this. We're all guilty of this. Man, if I, if I won the lottery and won a million dollars, oh, if I, I'm telling you, if I won, I'll tell you right, if I win a million dollars, I'm not tithing 10%. I'm tithing 20%. I'm going to tithe. I might even tithe 30%. Right? How many know that's easy to say? It's easy to say. You know why? Because that money's not mine. I don't have it yet. I should say it. If I had it, I'd give it. It's easy. It's kind of like Andrew in the Bible. He went over and said, hey, Jesus, this boy's got some loaves and fishes. It was easy for him to give this boy's loaves and fishes. Are y'all listening to me? It's not hard to say, hey, this boy's got some loaves and fishes. Let's use this. Wasn't his. But that same person sometimes that says, if I had a million dollars, I'd give 30%. I'd give $300,000 might not give $10 off of 100 That's the attitude we have a lot of times. Well, I'll give 100000 if I get a million, but we don't give 10 out of 100 So God is not going to be able to bless us in the, in the much because we haven't been faithful in the little. I'll go be a missionary in, in Iraq. 
I'm going to go to Iran next year. I'm telling you, God is going to use me. I've got a vision. I've got a dream to go preach the gospel to all the people who are cutting people's heads off in other countries. That's what God's calling me to do. Yet you won't go across the street and witness to your neighbor. Y'all following me? That's what we do. It's it's easy to, to, to give of our time or our efforts if it doesn't cost us. It's easy to say it. But God says, start with the little Understand that if you plant, you'll get a harvest, but your harvest is limited to your planting. Number two, this might be the most important and most difficult because this is very important. In the gospel and in the kingdom of God, you have to stay in the race. Okay? It means you've got to stay the course. You've got to stay in this thing. It, it, it doesn't do you any good if you're here and you're young or young in the Lord. It doesn't do you any good to serve the Lord for five years. You got to finish the race. You got to go all the way. And so a lot of people give up because of number two. The harvest comes later down the road from the planting. When you plant something, you don't get a harvest right away. You don't see the seed come out of the ground right away. Amen. Let's relate that to weight loss. How many know that you can lose 20 pounds in six months? Amen. It takes six months to lose 20 pounds. How long does it take to gain those 20 pounds back? A week. Not long at all, right? Anything that's worthwhile takes time and takes effort. And, and you've got to understand that it, 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 has to, has to, it has to be in that ground. It has to die. And so a lot of people, they sow and they want to return immediately. Man, I say, I, I tithe. Some people say, I tithed once. I gave my, some clothes once. I, I did this once. It's not about doing it once. It's about living to give. Not just a one-time offer. It's living to give. My life is giving everything that I have. And so the harvest is not fast. That's a big deterrent to a lot of people. A lot of people want to expect it. Want to be, and that's the, that's the generation we live in, right? An, an instant a, a microwave generation. Put it in, 30 seconds, get it out. That's not how the gospel works. It takes time. Some of the things we do for the Lord will never be seen on this earth. I said, I said this in the first service. There are things that I've done over the last 25 years of my ministry I still have not seen a return on in my, in my own eyes, maybe to my own understanding, though. Because one of my favorite verses, and I didn't have this in the first service, and it's not in my notes, but I come back to it a lot. Is you read it later, Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And I realize that God does not work like I work. The kingdom of God, I put a seed in the ground, and I expect to see something of my eyes. <clears throat> God brings it forth in another way. I thought, well, I, didn't see a, I didn't see a harvest on that. I didn't see a return on that. But you, you, you might not see it until you get to heaven. Because we're working for things that are eternal, we're not. But 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 this man and this but this boy in this in this ver, in this uh, story somehow miraculously got an immediate return, which I'm going to get to. And just actually, let me throw that out there real quick. I, I, it's not in the it's not in the scriptures exactly what happened with those twelve loaves that were left over. But wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it be the character of God if that boy gave those five loaves and two fishes? That when they got those twelve baskets back together, that Jesus said, "Son." Here's, here's the food back of what you gave. Here's the return. Now, I don't, it the scriptures don't say that. They might have just spread out to everybody. But the, char- the character of God would be that he sowed and he, re- he got a return. Amen. 
And, and I was thinking, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing to be that boy or to see that boy? The eyes get big as he's watching thousands of people get fed off of, and he's probably thinking, man, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? And they just keep grabbing food out of the baskets. I mean, I would have loved to have seen that boy's eyes as that little five loaves and two fishes multiplied to feed thousands of people. I want to live a life for God where, I, where my eyes are wide and big and say, man, God, I want to be like a kid. Amen. God, you're so amazing. I, I can't believe, just like that song says, some, some of y'all were too hot and too tired to get it. He said, I'll do it again. Amen. I'll do it again. I, 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 don't, I don't want to go off of last year's or, or 10 years ago's miracle. I want to do it again. How many want to see God do something new, something fresh, something he's never done before? Well, you got to put some seed in the ground. Can't expect the harvest without it, but it's not fast. Number three, this is, this is the best part. The harvest is in God's kingdom is greater than the seed. The harvest is greater than the seed. In, in, in our world, we put something in, we plant an apple seed, we get an apple tree. One. Or however that works. But in God's kingdom, Mark chapter 6 says, sorry, chapter 4 verse 20 says, that when you sow into the kingdom of God, you get 30, 60, and 100 fold return. Amen. 30, 60, and 100 fold return. I don't know the math this morning on the 12 loaves. I don't know how many pieces of bread were in the five loaves that the boy gave, but he got a return that was either 30, 60, or 100 fold on what he gave. Imagine that boy. He most likely, again, this is in the word, he most likely was selling that food. Why would a boy have that much food? He probably was out selling it, which is a whole other thought. He gave of what he needed. And so he's probably out selling that. Can you imagine if his mom or dad sent him out that day, hey, go sell those five loaves and those two fishes and come back with this amount of money? Well, isn't God amazing? Can you imagine that boy walking home and saying, Mama, look what I came back with. I met this man who multiplied what I went out with. I went out with five loaves and two fishes, and I got 12 basket fulls. Can you imagine? We don't know. There's so much untold. Didn't John say it'd fill the whole world with books if we talked about all the things that Jesus has done? Amen? So the, the big thing is 30, 60, 100. Now, number four. This is important. This kind of goes along with number one. Our harvest is proportional to our planting. If I put a seed in the ground, I might get, hopefully, a plant back. If I plant 12 seeds, I might get a dozen plants back. But we do understand the principle in the Bible that says, I will reap according to how I sow. The Bible says if I reap sparingly, sow sparingly, I will what? Reap sparingly. If I sow generously, I will reap generously. So we have to understand that. I, want, I just want to give you some news this morning. You can't expect to sow, again, not just money, your life, your time, all those things. You cannot expect to sow minimally and expect to reap generously. Amen? Can I get a better amen? You're going to get back what you put in. Isn't that life? You're going to get back out of your marriage what you put in. You're going to get back out of your job what you put in. You're going to get back out of your kids what you put in. Some people say, oh, I'm gonna, man, my kids, I just wish they were better. Well, what did you do when they were younger? Amen. I wish I had a better marriage. Well, what have you done in that marriage to make it a good marriage? Wish I had a better friendship. How much seed have you planted in that friendship? 
It's all about what you give in. You've got to understand you're going to get back out of what you put in. And number five, finally, this law is really awesome. This is what you call grace. You can't do anything about this harvest right now, but you can plant a new one. What does that mean? If harvest is next week, for example, and you didn't plant nothing last year, you're not going to get a harvest. And you might, get, you might be right now a little discouraged. You might say, man, this, this is good preaching. The Holy Spirit's anointing this. It's speaking to my heart. But, man, I haven't planted it. I haven't sowed. I haven't sowed of my life. I haven't sowed of my time. I haven't sowed into my marriage. I haven't sowed. And, and, and you might be like, man, it's too late. But here's the good news. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And you can begin to sow today. You can begin to plant today for the next harvest. Come on. You can begin to plant now. You can begin to say, man, I haven't been doing that in my marriage. I haven't been giving. I haven't been going. I haven't been giving of my time. I haven't been being compassionate. I haven't been living to give. But today I'm making a decision. Uh, Today I'm making a decision. I'm going to begin to be a giver and not a taker. Listen, there's only two people in this place, two types of people. You're either a giver or you're a taker. I want to be a giver. And I want to start with my heart. God, as Dwayne said at the offering, here I am. Here I am. Take me. Do something with my life. Do you know this morning that your life is a seed? Individually, our lives are seeds. And the, Jesus said, "Nothing can can come out of of, of or no, nothing can come to life unless its seed goes in the ground and what dies." Have you died this morning to yourself? Have you died this morning to your will? It's a, it's a, an awesome thing to tell the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I, I quote Job a lot. He he he, he might have said one of the most profound words in the whole Bible. He said, "Though you slay me, I trust you." Though you slay me, I trust you. I want want you to be at that place this morning. I want to live in that place. I believe my heart is in that place. God, I don't understand everything you're doing all the time, but I trust you with my life. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my time. I trust you with my finances. Trust you with everything that I am. Anything you give away on this earth will be given back. I've said this time and time again, and believe with all my heart, God's never asked me for anything to give him that he has not given back to me better. Meaning, hey, Blake, I want you to give me that. I want you to sell that. I want you to give that. I want, I want this time from you. I want, I want you to sacrifice this. I want you to stop doing that and do this. Whatever it is. I've never seen God give me something back that was not better than what he asked for. Ever. I told this at the revival last, last week that I preached in Denver. It just comes to my, to my spirit. Sports are very important to me. Basketball is very important to me. I've been a part of my life. And I remember being in Costa Rica when I was playing, and my last season was going to be my best season. I was in the best shape. It was the best team. It was the best money. Everything was awesome. It was an awesome situation. People wanted to be on our team. I've told stories about how the tryouts worked and all that. That's a different message, but 
We started the season. We had the best team in the country. We had lost in the championship the year before, kind of like LeBron James. Don't get mad at me. So he just lost, he just lost all spirituality right there, huh? <laughs> we had lost in the championship the year before. Great team coming back. And we start the season, the preseason, and we're just about ready to start a game. We practice at 6 o'clock in the morning every day. And God tells me one day, he says, I want you to start a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock in the morning at church. That's what he told me. I did not want to start a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock in the morning. Not because I didn't want to get up in the morning, but because that was the time basketball practice was. And if I stopped playing, practicing basketball, I couldn't play. But I trust God. I knew, I, I know God, if he asked me for something, there's a reason. Went and quit the team, got out of, out of my contract, said, I'm not going to play this year. I'm going to start a prayer meeting. God did miraculous things in that prayer meeting. We got to where we were having 40 and 50 people show up every morning to pray at 6 o'clock in the morning in Costa Rica. So that happened. Season went on. There's two halves to a season. The first half, we won the championship. I wasn't in it. I watched from the sideline in my suit after church as they held up the trophy. And it was hard for me because I thought, man, God, I'm supposed to be on that team. So we won the first half of the season. Second half comes around, and we won that one too, and there's a, uh, we lost that one, sorry, and then there's a final championship of a five-game series of both halves. So a whole year went on, prayer meeting, all that stuff, and I'm sitting in an Italian restaurant, and Joe Lear, our owner, comes in. He's an American. He's a boxing promoter. He comes in and sits down at the table, and we just caught up. Hey, how's it going? And I've been watching the team and all that, and he says, Blake, we need a shooter for the finals. And I want you to play in the finals. So I gave up the prayer meeting. I gave up the team for the prayer meeting all year and then got to play in the finals without practicing, without being on the team or anything else. And I got to play with the player that I looked up to in high school who was an All-American, played in the NBA with someone I admired, got to play on his same team. That, I just throw that example out because that's just a perfect example. God asked me for something. I said, yes, I trust you. And he gave me back something way better. Not that I wouldn't have liked to play that season, but how many see what I'm saying? I got to play in the finals of that, of that championship, which we lost. But how many people don't get to ever even lose a championship? Amen. How many get what I'm saying? That's just an example. He'll ask you for things to see where your heart's at. And if your heart's right, you say, yes, God, here, take it. I can... Spend, I could spend the rest of the afternoon telling you things the Lord has asked me for. My wife is my witness. Things God has said, do this. And it's difficult sometimes, but the reward is so great because I'm at a place where I live to give. And if he wants something of mine, he can have it. Because I know the principle. Something better is behind it. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge this morning in this place to be people who live to give. Again, God, this isn't about money. There's a lot of poor people who don't have any money that don't have giving hearts. There's a lot of rich people who have a lot of money don't have giving hearts. It's not about money. It's about an attitude of saying, God, what is mine is yours. 
Whatever you need to get the gospel advanced, I want to be a part of that. Whether it's my time, my money, my talent, it's yours. Use it, Father, for your glory. Use it so people can get saved. Use it, Father. Use me. If you can use anything, use me, Lord. Use me this morning. Let's sing that same song you sang in the first service. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, I want you to think about something right now. First and foremost, if you were to pass into eternity today, where would you spend it? It's not, it's not if you'd pass into eternity, it's when. Everyone's going to face eternity. We're all going to live forever. God wants us to spend it in heaven with him. That's the place he wants us to be. And he, he died on the cross for that. Today, if you'll accept Jesus Christ, he'll come into your life, change your life, transform your life, give you a new name, give you a, make you a new creation, and set you on a path where you can begin to change the world, as that video said. How many can say, I don't know Jesus this morning? Just put your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm, I'm not saved. If I passed into eternity this morning, I don't know where I'd go. Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I made that public confession of faith 25 years ago. I said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I accept you. I, I believe in you. I, I want to give you my life to you. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You're running from God. You're, 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 you're bitter this morning. You're angry. Things are not right in your heart. Get right with God this morning. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for not trusting you. I'm, not, I'm sorry for not obeying you. I'm sorry for not walking in the walk you want me to walk. That's, that's the attitude God's looking for. Let, let me adjust you, God says. Let me fix that area of your life that's causing you to not see fruit. I know in this place there's people all over this place that want to see fruit. You want to see, you want to be a world changer, but you think I, I don't have anything to give. Where's my talent? Where's my ability? Where's my, what do I have? And God says, I can do a lot with a little. All I need is some obedience. Right before we come to pray, I want you to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to tell you something as you stand to your feet. There's much that's not written in this word. Listen, there's much that's not written in this word. What, what, what if or how many do we know lives were changed? Not just fed. We don't know how many lives were changed because of that boy's obedience. How many people got saved. But as I told on Wednesday night... As I told that testimony of that man that drove all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Denver to hear that message an hour and a half each way, three times in a row. If I went to Denver just for him, it'd be worth it. I've said this and I mean it with all my heart. God is my witness. If I, if I, if I said yes with my wife and daughters to come to Denton, Texas for one of you to start this church, if one person of you makes heaven your home, it's worth any sacrifice we've ever done. If you could just say, God, can you make my life count for at least one person? Wouldn't your life be worth it? Wouldn't sacrifice be worth it? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't doing some things outside of your comfort zone be worth it if when you got to heaven, one person came and said, I'm here because of you. I'm telling you, there's no money in the world. There's no fun in the world. There's no thing in the world that will compare. That won't compare. When I, when I was younger, my dream was to do what I got to do, which was play on TV, play in front of some people, all that stuff. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to seeing a sinner give their life to Jesus. 
nothing. It's the greatest high in the world to see someone's name get written in the book of life. Many of us will never have humongous opportunities to stand on big platforms. But every day you're you're in contact with somebody. Live to give. Sow some seed. Go through this week and scatter. Drop some seeds in different places. Drop some tracks. Help someone in need. Tell someone, just, just do it all the time. And you will see a harvest. But the greatest harvest is not going to be seen on this earth. It's going to be up there. Amen? How many believe that? It's going to be up there in heaven. And it's going to be worth it. My wife and I got to work with kids, which is not, not a lot of fun out in the sun for many years. We did it because God called us to do it. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet a bunch of kids who got saved because we sacrificed. It'll be worth it. Anything you do, it's going to be worth it. Don't look at the risk. Don't look at the pain. Look at the reward. And if you don't take a risk, you won't have a reward. Some people are too too afraid to step out. A lot of people talk about Peter and say, man, Peter, he fell and sunk in the water. But how about the steps he took on the water first? Too many times we look at the failures and we don't look at the fact that Peter walked on water. Amen. You might fail. You might fall. But if you don't try, you'll never know. I don't know if I could lead someone to the Lord. I don't know what they'll say. I don't know if they reject me. What if they reject me? What if they say, I want the Jesus that you're telling me about? Can we pray? What if they say that to you? Amen. Don't think about the bad. Think about the good that can come out. I want to open up the altars. Pray at your seat. Whatever you want to do. We're going to sing a song here and just spend a few minutes letting this message get into our spirits. I mean, the altars are open as they begin to sing. I'd love to agree with you in prayer this morning. If the Lord has touched your heart, maybe you're saying, I want to be a giver. I want to live to give this morning. I've been selfish. I've held back. I've held on to things. Whatever your need is, maybe you're coming in, you really need a touch in your physical body or, or mentally or whatever. I just want to pray with you this morning. We want to agree with you at this altar as we begin to sing and just seal this message this morning.
Father, we thank you that it's not by feeling. It's not by feeling this morning. You did not say the just shall live by feeling. You said the just shall live by faith. And Lord, we ask this morning that that would, would be the heartbeat of our lives, that we would live by faith, live in trust, live in obedience. Lord, we ask these things because we know that you're doing a work in us and the work that you have began, you will finish it, Father. We ask you, Lord God, to do a work in our spirits this morning that will bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. And devil, you are defeated. You have no power against us. You have no dominion over us. The blood of Jesus was shed on the cross for our salvation, for our victory, for our dominion in our lives. And we speak that over our situations this morning. I pray this morning, God, for businesses. I pray for jobs. I pray for for relationships. I pray for marriages. God, that we would just take this attitude of living to give and walk it every day, Jesus. We ask these things in your precious name, Father. Amen. Galatians 6, 9 says that we should not grow weary in well-doing. Amen. That's the word that seals this message. Do not grow weary in well-doing. You can't say, well, I've put in time, and I just, I'm just, I don't think it's working. You've got to stay in the race. You've got to stay the course. And it says, if you do not grow weary, you 